Welcome to Weapon of Choice, a podcast where creatives across mediums give us insight into the weaponry of their art. Each episode, you'll be hearing an interview with an artist who uses their art as a weapon of choice for social change and disruption, visibility and justice, cultural critique and resistance, among other things that ignite social consciousness and community action. These artists will tell us about their journeys toward the battles they are fighting, how they design, sharpen, and develop their artistic weaponry to strike a blow against injustice in the world. Welcome back to Weapon of Choice Podcast. I am Tommy Franklin. Andrew is traveling at the moment. And uh, we're here to say Happy New Year, I guess. It's like, shit, the 15th, so it's a little late for that, but... Happy New Year from the podcast, because this is the first episode in 2019, so we're glad you're still tuning in, and um, with a new year comes uh, new conversations, new episodes, so we're excited to get out our uh, final episode from the Brooklyn series, the Brooklyn, New York trip, the last one we took out there, and um, um, this guest is a... Amazing for so many reasons, and uh, some we'll get into. Others, you'll just have to understand the frequency through your own uh, imagination. Um, and yeah, so we're here. Thanks for listening. Hope you're out there um, doing all right. Got some goals this year. Hope you got some goals that you're really looking forward to completing, short-term or long-term. I know we got some here at Special Menu Productions. Um Weapon of Choice, we're going to keep that going strong. We love doing this. We're sure we want to do this. And we got a few more, uh, for sure, a few more podcasts. New podcasts, new entirely new shows that we are going to um, potentially bring you all of them in the year 2019. So look forward to that. Stay tuned for that. And uh, it's a new year. So. What we need at Weapon of Choice is some new reviews, some new five-star ratings. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, go on and hook us up. If you like the show, go on and hook us up. It's almost tax season. We're not going to charge you the the, the, the five-star review um, listening tax. You just go ahead and we'll waive the fees, you know. Um, get on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Leave that five stars and a review if you're listening, if you like what you're hearing, if you appreciate the words of our guests. We we sure do appreciate the time the guests take to sit down with us and uh, share their stories. Um, their voice is uh, important to us and we believe important to the world. Um, they got some powerful shit to say every time. And uh, this is history. Each one of these conversations you can always go back and listen. Every time I go back and listen, I learn something new. And also I'm reminded of something that I need to remember to carry me through and stay motivated and inspired. And so we have that in all of these artists, these beautiful humans that we uh, are lucky enough to interview. So Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please leave us that five star review. And that way it'll help us to grow the show, help us uh, get noticed in those algorithms or whatever the fuck, you know, but it really does mean a lot when you are commenting and uh, leaving those reviews and sending us messages on social media and emails. So social media, you can find us on Instagram at weapon of choice podcast and Facebook is at weapon of choice podcast. And on Twitter, we are 
at Weapon Choice Pod. You can always email us at weaponofchoicefans at gmail.com, weaponofchoicefans at gmail.com. Best believe we're going to try to hit the road again in 2019, and one of the reasons we were able to hit the road last year was because listeners have been donating monthly. Monthly sustainers, our Weapon of Choice community members, are giving their hard-earned dollars anywhere from $1 a month or more. So if you want to do that, if you appreciate what you're hearing, if you want to help us out and support in ways that uh, you're able to, um, you can hop on our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash weapon of choice podcast. One dollar a month or more makes you uh, part of the crew, part of the community, an official weapon of choice member and uh, some awesome, cool little titles that go along with it. We can send you, you know, some uh, laptop stickers, some buttons, depending on where you're at. And, uh, well, we'll send them anywhere, no matter where you live, but we're, depending on where you're at on the monthly scale, you know what I mean? We might have a little something, something extra if you want to go ahead and hit us over the head with some, you know, with a with a couple of Benjis or whatever. Um, we'll be making some T-shirts soon. We got this limited edition print that is in the works from an amazing artist here in Minneapolis. And, um, yeah, so... Any love and support, we appreciate. Your dollars, we definitely appreciate. <laughs> appreciate it all. And um, I'm looking forward to letting y'all um, hear this conversation. Andrew and I, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, ended up uh, talking with Crystal Clarity. And it wasn't planned when we got on that plane. We had set out to get on that plane and go talk to Joseph Capehart and Sahar and Blair Imani, and then we met a truly amazing being, an artist, and Crystal Clarity. And so that's the conversation that you are going to have the pleasure of hearing now in this episode. And there's a whole lot to say about Crystal um, <laughs> as an artist and as a person and as a, as a friend, you can say, these days. Um, I won't get into all the detail, but she is an amazing human, and uh, we were blessed to get to know her during our time in Brooklyn, and I will consider her a very good friend in this universe. Um, what an amazing soul. Crystal is an illustrator, a muralist, a teaching artist. She's born and raised in New York City. Her work serves and celebrates women of color and communities of color. Their vibrant, organic urban styles merge the intersections of culture, gender, spirit, and the city life. She works in a variety of mediums, from pencil to paintbrush and anything from Bristol to brick walls, and her work can be found on contour cut plywood, canvas, or covering the side of a building in any one of the inner city boroughs, best believe. Her murals have given visibility to critical community issues with sustainability, solidarity between diverse groups, gun violence, water conservation, and reproductive justice. All very important issues that she interweaves in her uh, multidisciplinary skills, tactics, and actions via all kinds of art forms. So it's uh, some amazing work she's been doing for many, many years especially uh, a lot of work with the youth in all, all, all kinds of communities and neighborhoods in New York City. And, it, and it's really, it's really uh, 
uh, it's really been humbling to get to know her story um, and and why um, what she does is so meaningful and what drives her what drives her from the inside from her from her core. It's uh it's pretty remarkable. And Crystal's uh you know just doing her thing. Um, it was a good year in 2018, and uh, I look forward to what she uh, produces this year. Crystal has advanced her craft at the Art Students League of New York, Penland School of Crafts, and worked and studied bookmaking at the Center for Book Arts. She holds an associate's degree in visual communications and a BFA in illustration, graduating with honors from Parsons School of Design with a focus in printmaking. I'm really not doing a resume justice, y'all, but y'all are going to love this conversation and uh, we're going to see you on the other side and uh, enjoy the interview with Crystal. Crystal Clarity. I guess art is my weapon of choice, put it plainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use art to fight apathy, disconnect, invisibility. What are those battles looking like right now? I mean, I use it to fight disconnect by reconnecting people to their hearts. And they're making people see and feel what's important to see and feel. Um, changing the landscape of a really toxic visual culture that tells us we ain't shit, <laughs> that we don't exist, and that we don't deserve to live. Um, or that we just need to buy shit and that needs to be our most important focus or our like main purpose in life is to consume. Um, so I, I like to take up lots and lots of public space as much as possible. Um, facilitate ways for young people to um, reclaim the power of their changing their visual, physical environments and changing the narrative of um, how we're seen in this world. When, you know, what age did you look around and see that like I don't want to be a part of this group or that group, even though I'm being told I should hang out with these kids or those kids. And where did you where did you retreat to to learn more about yourself and become more yourself at an early age? Drawing. I don't think I can understand this world or myself without processing it visually visibly, like with my hands and my eyes. Like, um, I feel like I assimilate knowledge is way more thoroughly when I can um, reimagine it visually. So yeah, I mean, 
what 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 age was was I? What was the question? Yeah, what age or what uh, you know? What were some of the first experiences like that? I mean, I was just like I was always drawing shit in school. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was just one of those kids always drawing shit in school. Um, people would wilding out, and I'd be like in the lunchroom in my sketchbook or cutting school all together and running away to the park to like be left alone to draw and be so um yeah I'm just like I was just more interested in my sketchbook than most people I think my critique of a, a lot of adults in this society is that they act the same way that they acted in high school, that a lot of high school students act and they just don't grow out of that phase, that petty ass phase that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I started, I started teaching art and I got an after school program here in Bushwick. Um, did that for like five years. Um, I was, yeah, I was an after-school art teacher for five years with El Puente, which I still work with them, like, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fam, you know? Like, I feel like almost all the organizations I've worked with in the city have, like, really long relationships with. It's, like, I, I don't hop in and out. I, like, form these. They're, like, my longest relationships. <laughs> like, like, it's like or, or for better or for worse, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. a little crazy. I really can't stand how this is going on, but... I still love you guys, <laughs> but, um, and then uh, that transitioned me into um, my work as a mural, a muralist. Mm. Um, did my first mural in like 2006 in Bushwick. Um, While teaching a class or? It's funny, it was like, yeah, it was like my first large scale mural and I was also having to facilitate it. It was terrifying. <laughs> and, uh, but I had a really great mentor, yeah. um, Joe Matunis. Um, who just gave me like the biggest part of the wall and was like, you got, you gonna rock this. And I was like, what? Um, all right, cool. And, you know, just kind of had to work it out. You know what I'm saying? Like work yeah. it out with, with some guidance, but also like, I think, and it, it really informed how, how I learned how to facilitate for the rest of my, for the rest of my, like, I don't know, I guess facilitator life. Um, which was like just when I work with young people, I just try to I do the same thing to them. I'm like, I'm gonna give you the most that I think you can do, and what I think you can do is way more than what you think you can do, and I'm gonna make you believe you can do it. And if you don't believe you can do it, I'm gonna make you do it anyway, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna believe afterwards, you know. Yeah. So um, that's been my strategy for like. I guess building up other versions of myself in this yeah. in this game, but um, and it works. I can't find it works every time. You throw somebody in the in the water and they'll fucking learn how to swim, or they'll start drowning and you pick them up. You help, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't let them drown. Don't ever let don't ever let them drown. But um, correct me if I'm wrong. You would hope that there's enough release of whatever individual things are needed to be released for them to open the conduit to receive your teaching and for the creativity to flow back and forth from teacher to student yeah but how do you control that right like it's it's like 
how do you part direct hope, direct lead. that? Like, so there's there's so many. I've seen I've seen so many different approaches to this, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like, we're not gonna hold space for any of your emotional shit. You're gonna learn this skill, and you're gonna be happier for it. Trust me. Just put that shit to the side, mm-hmm. and learn how to make this you know gradient blend drop shadow whatever the object thing rigging whatever learn how to tie this rope learn how to whatever build this 3d object and i believe that that is a valuable like approach to like it's a valuable space holder for and container for for all the people's shit to like just yo just Sometimes like holding space, like let's talk about how, what are you feeling right now in your body? And like, what like can open up so much, mm. like make people spill out in such a violent way that if you don't have the skills to like responsibly like put that back in the, in, in a, and how do you do that? You don't know what you're gonna open up, right? And you, how much therapy classes did you take? Like how, are you here as a, like, are you, what skill do I really have? Like, am I a fucking psych, psychotherapist? Like, psychiatrist, psychologist? I don't know the difference. Like, this is why I'm not qualified <laughs> to, like, you know, maybe hold your childhood trauma or, like, mm-hmm. your, yeah, like, yeah. you know, current. current trauma, your adulthood trauma or your last week trauma or your, like, the movement traumatized you. Like, <laughs> and now you ready to like spill out all over and there's exacto blades everywhere (laughs) let's just worry about safe like let's talk about a different kind of safety like how not to cut your fingers and let's not cut each other up to pieces you know there's so many so i guess i don't know i'm spelling out out, all over the place myself right now but Mm -hmm. i think there's the approach there's the approach that some people just want a space where they're not having to think about that shit, and that is therapeutic Mm-hmm. They're not having to talk about it. They don't want to process it. Their politics, their identity, shit. They're like none of it. I actually just came here to learn these skills, and then I'll deal with my shit at home where mm-hmm. I got my peoples to hold space for me, right? But there's also this like culture of like I don't know, like community accountability, and it, like people want to be so accountable to everyone's feelings all the time that. Um, I feel like sometimes the the skill that gets prioritized is how to move through your trauma in the room. You know, how does that make you feel when they're your spaces in terms of teaching? Uh, then I don't consider any space my space. Or the space that you try to cultivate through but, your preparation. Well, that's the thing, too. I think it's like. I don't know. It's a different. It's a different approach. Like sometimes you do need to control the space, and people are looking for you to design that space in a way that can hold all everything. Mm. Um, Sounds difficult. Oh no! It's the easiest shit in the world. You don't know how to do that. You didn't grow up. <laughs> wait, what? You know what I'm saying? What? What? I thought everybody knew this. I just so didn't. Ter- I thought I just ter- didn't get the memo because everybody else knows. Sometimes, how to do it. right? Huh? It terrifies you. No, it terrifies the shit out of me. Like. Um, I don't know, man. I just, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. 
It's a lot in there. A lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm like flooding. Like, it's just like all these moments. And uh, what's, what's terrifying about it, right? Mm. I think it's just being, resp- being responsible. I don't got mm-hmm. no kids. You know, <laughs> I'm not responsible, really responsible for any other human beings in this world. But in those spaces, I all of a sudden. As a, a teacher. Yeah. As a teacher, like I'm with like with young people that I work with. And I'm definitely not referring to adults as my children. Like that's infantilizing. I'm not going to do that. But but what I'm saying is that I equate it with the responsibility of like holding space for another human being. Right. A human beings being responsible for another human's emotions, how they're how they're going to learn something, how they're going to walk away, um, because I feel like we, we do a lot of injury to children in the way we teach them too, like Oof, yeah. so much. And, and, I, and I would say the same thing, we do, a lot, we do a lot of injury to adults, the way we teach each other things. So, um, you know, some people like have like learning and, and learning skills from like, only know that from a place of ego and like wanting to know it <laughs> so they can have something yeah. up on somebody else yep, or, yep be more valuable for a higher paycheck or, um, and so that they could, you know, like knowledge is, is power positioning too, right? So the more you know shit, like the more capital you have in this world, right? Social mm-hmm. capital or political capital or skill capital, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Through that process, what was it like to finish that first one? Was it sort of a, a moment of reverence? Like, whoa. Yeah. Is- I. I had um I had a moment where I cried so much like when I got to that p- part where that I designed that I was asked to design and it was time to scale it up on the wall I remember like running across the street and like getting away from the group and like dipping behind a car like between two parked cars and bawling and just bawling like yeah. crying like there was this like oh my god this is the biggest thing I've ever done I don't know if I could, you know what I mean? There it is. And I always tell this story of like having to paint that area and also paint it with a young person that I was facilitating that process Mm -hmm. for while I was experiencing it myself. Um, And he looked up at the wall and was like, this is the biggest thing I ever painted. I'm really, I'm scared. And I looked at him and I was like, me too. (laughs) Let's do it anyway. (laughs) So that's been, that's been my strategy. For every project ever since, it's like, ah, oh, this is this is scary, but let's do it anyway. So really, from the start, the your t- time as a facilitator and educator and your murals murals have sort of coexisted. That's yeah, absolutely. I, I actually done maybe ten percent <laughs> of my like of projects outside of that mm-hmm. practice, mm-hmm. like. A majority of my practice has um, been doing, you know, taking projects, facilitating that process with others. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to move into a place where I can see what I'm capable of if I only had to carry my own vision and not just the vision of a community, mm-hmm. and not just the vision of young, you know, all the young people whose ideas I have to integrate in a design and then help them, you yeah. know, yeah. learn how to do it, but. What can I do with my own skill level as I have it? How can I push myself forward? And um, how can I design some carve, design some time for myself to see what I can do, like as a singular brain, <laughs> like mm-hmm. 
because um, I don't really know the practice outside of that. Like in 2014, there's this big ass march that hit New York and uh, this art space that opened up and <laughs> to support a lot of art making for the People's Climate March that stomped around. And it was on the heels of a mural project I had just finished on teen pregnancy in Bushwick. And um, I was exhausted. And But a, a bunch of my homies were like doing a bunch of stuff in this art space. And I was just like, man, I'm really exhausted from this mural. Kicked my ass all summer. But I kind of want to hang out with y'all. So like, let me see, what, what are y'all doing over here? And like, how can I help? So I just asked what kind of support they needed. And they were just like, we need, we need banner support. We need, and I hate painting banners. I hate it. <laughs> I was like, I fucking hate it. I, goes, I mean, I feel like I'm a really great illustrator, but typography has always been kind of my Achilles heel. Mm. But um, it's an opportunity to, I guess, flex that muscle. And I ended up art directing and producing like so many banners in that space for groups coming in and out who needed like help with art direction. And I got really good at it. And then next thing you know, I was like humping to like manage the flow of this art space. And, and that was probably the first major, major art build I'm been a part of. And I was very, I know people, people tell me that I was integral in like keeping that space kind of mm. sane, <laughs> a little bit sane. It was crazy. People come in, fuck shit up. Um, there was a lot of like white voyeurism and like people coming in and disrespecting a little bit and you had to regulate. Um, I have a lot of stories about that time. I'm not gonna talk about it. So I'm not gonna bring up old shit. But I would say the good, the great thing that formed from that moment was um, uh, a, good, a good friend of mine. Um, I remember he, he said that, uh, this is like the dojo. This is like the art dojo. Like everywhere you looked in every corner, somebody was making some crazy fly shit for this, for this march mm. to hit the streets and like visibilize our, our struggles in the, you know, in, and to diversify the messaging around climate change and around like, you know, frontline communities and giving that voice and presence and like, um, expanding the narrative outside of the like, you know, say the polar bear shit, you know, the ice caps are melting and like, like, yo, our communities are drowning. They're literally fucking neck deep in water because this shit is out of control. So there were all this, um, there was this, uh, this amazing force of creative energy around um, flipping the narrative yeah. of, of yeah. the climate movement at the time. And, um, and we just bonded and like a lot of us bonded, especially those of us who were based in New York. Um, and a group of us stayed together. We like realized like, you know, this is beyond, you know, this work has to continue beyond this moment. Um, right, right. We, we formed a little arts collective um, called People's Collective Arts, Colectivo de Arte Popular. And, um, and, you know, our intention was to continue to continue to support um, shifting the narrative mm -hmm. ongoing. Like, and we knew that the march was going to come and, and leave the city. But how are we going to continue to support people who wanted to continue hitting the streets after? How, do, how are we going to continue 
um, you know, using our, our skills um, to support the movement's visual strategies. Um, so there's, there's a lot of story. Yeah. Um, the story of our collective is like a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some of my closest friends and people have come and gone from the collective at different times. Mm -hmm. But um, those are people that I, I trust deeply and want to continue to strategize with ongoing future. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got pulled into that like world at that yeah. after that moment. And then the next thing you know, we were like being asked to facilitate art builds for lots of folks stuff like at request. Um, I got I got cool with folks at Rocket Society and Greenpeace asked me to facilitate their action camp, mm. um, uh, their arts track a few times, which has been like really cool. Cause I mean, I'm like, I just kind of got thrown into this world and you know, I had a lot of skills as a, as an artist, a printmaker, and how to make, I know how to make things, you know? And, um, but more importantly, I think beyond like the making this, like what are you making it for and how are you using your, your craft to support an important message? How do you, how do you craft a good message? How do you make it hit it, you know, hit people as hard as it can, as quickly as, can, as, it, as it can, and then make it compelling? Because mm. you're competing with, competing with advertising essentially, and there's billions of dollars poured into that industry to like really understand how to sway yeah. the masses of, and their opinions and their purchasing power and like, yeah. So, you know, at no point can we underestimate the power of like visual strategy and movement work. Right. right? Like that's that would be the dumbest thing ever to be like, oh, this art shit is not really that important part of of uh, of our activism. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's actually it's the tip of the arrow that yeah. that penetrates right to the heart of I think humanity. As my homegirl says. I like that. Yeah. So, sends me like on a whole new thread. How do you how do you choose what project? Like, what is it like to? How do you navigate which projects you say yes to for these art builds? You know, are there ever any times where you're like, you find out some details about what it is, and then you fi find out more, and you're like, whoa, I'm not here for that. That's happened. How do you sure. I mean, um, we we usually. I mean, well, with with the arts collective, we usually have to all like kind of. Oh really? Right. Agree to to do to do something, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but sometimes it's chess. You know what I mean? Mm. And sometimes it's chess, not checkers. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, we have to. Um, and I want to say like. You know, we definitely won't do anything that's in conflict with our with our values and our principles. So, like, yeah. baseline. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do an art build for Wells Fargo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, ever fuck them. But um, fuck. or for you know, for anybody that's yeah working against what we're working for. Do you get um, offers like that? Nah. Oh, okay. Nah, people know better. I mean, who's gonna like contact a scrappy little arts collective? To like do some yeah. some shit that you know we're we're just like we're pretty much word of mouth and shit you know like people oh gotcha we just kind of know know us through and we did 
515 and um, the different, like that, those are like larger mm-hmm. coalition things. Um, but the budgets from those things, we were able to allocate resources to things that got no funding and did, you know. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what I mean by chess. You know, it's like sometimes you take a large, larger, you know, coalition gig and it burns, burns everybody's engines out a little bit. But mm. it also provides some some cushion for, for us to have like an abundance of supplies that we can offer a larger community of folks. Ideas, projects that might not have that. Ideas and projects that might not have that, but then you can say like... Yeah, like they might not have like the grassroots spirit or the soul of, you know, like some really raw shit that we want to do, but like it's, you know, it's important and we'll do it. Mm -hmm. They have a crazy budget and we'll take it. Take your money and pay our our rent for our art space and like offer that art space to anybody who needs it, you know? (laughs) Just like jump us back into the what we'll pick up with the teaching just how has teaching sustained you, <laughs> you know, or or does it does it exhaust you damn how does it do both right financially teaching is not fucking sustained shit we don't live in a country that supports people that educate period Look at any teacher in this country, even if they're employed by the official channels, they are not supported in life. I am not employed by the official channels. I struggle even more. <laughs> like, so I, you know, I, I work, I'm an independent contractor. I'm a freelancer. I've been freelancing for my entire professional life. So like with any, with any freelance life, it's feast of famine, you know? So support financially, nah. Support the, spiritually, the youth. Yeah. That's a different thing. I I don't know how to do anything else. Like I like it. My resume doesn't reflect anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do but learn shit and share that. So. Um, that's the thing that feeds my soul. Like that's, I can't imagine just, I've never had to do something just for a paycheck. Everything that I've gotten a paycheck for, I've actually loved and been wholly spiritually invested in because I'm, I believe in that work and it feeds my soul on some level. So that payoff, I think I'm winning, mm-hmm. you know, like then I think I'm, I'm rich compared to the, person who's sitting in a cubicle making 100 G's a year and has stable housing. (laughs) (laughs) Working on it. (laughs) Yeah. What do you feel like the selfishness of to like what's the selfishness of today that you're fighting? Well, the teaching spaces that I primarily work in are um, social justice spaces, mm-hmm. uh, primarily facilitating art builds for movement shit or um, 
facilitating community mural projects. Um, it's incredibly fun. It can be. It can also be incredibly laborious, like really exhausting and hard on the body, both of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. People are like, oh, you just like you get to do what you love. So you just get to paint all the time. People just like, oh, you get to paint stuff. And I'm like, all right, paint a parachute like this 25 foot diameter circle on the floor for 15 hours straight. Or take a crack at this five story building and see how your legs feel after, or like how your back is after 10 years. Mm, yeah. That shit is. Talk to any muralist who's been doing this shit a decade and they'll tell you how they're they probably love their chiropractor more than they love their wife. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. that shit is real. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, it's real hard on the body. I've struggled a lot with physical pain from this work. Um is like really crippling back shit. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. building scaffolding for 10 years and like being on your feet and like being mm -hmm. in odd, stupid positions with your body. And it's, yeah. So I feel like um, the art world, like quotation, like earmarks or whatever. <laughs> um, this, I mean, yeah, I don't want to drag out a whole ass conversation about just like the art world and how privileged it is, how bougie it is, how capitalistic it is and driven it is. And it's just, it's just all of those things, it's all of those things that it's just, it is about ego and clout. And um, I feel like it's, it's very self-centered, self-driven and just, um, I've never been attracted to that world mm. ever once. Like I never, I don't think a day in my life was like, I want to be a famous artist and like so, my paintings for millions of them. maybe now because I'm like rich need affordable housing so bad that uh, yeah. yeah if somebody wanted to buy a painting for like a million dollars would it be dumb to be like no I don't believe in you <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. but yeah so I'll take I would take it I don't have less qualms about it now it'll give me more time and flexibility to do the shit that I really want to do which nobody will ever pay me money for mm -hmm. so um what's that We don't want to make puppets right now. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't, right now I want to explore puppetry and like puppet making and then, you know, um, the thing that, I don't know, I want to exploit joyful, powerful, joyful art forms. And, you know, painting can get really serious sometimes, you know? Yeah. Painting is really serious. It's like, it's dramatic, you know? And, uh, I'm, I just need a little more. I need a little bit more. A little more play. A little more play. I need more play. And I actually have been really thinking a lot about play as a, like a, just such a beautiful, revolutionary ass, radical healing force in the world. Like laughter and play again, like just to penetrate the, the darkness that this, this world mm. is really trying to come for us right now. What's it going to take for play to become as widely accepted as yoga and sitting meditation yo that's a really that's you got a yoga studios 
You got meditation studios. I th- I would argue. Studios. I w- yeah, I would argue. Yeah, I know. Mm. And artists. Probably as long as it took movement people to realize that art is a really key strategic. Some movement. <laughs> lots of movement people like lots. to realize that. I mean, our people always knew art as a as a force for life. You know, we had to try to wedge it each and every way into these nonprofit. Right. And so like, okay, so that's a greater Mm -hmm. conversation. That's like, oh, let's go. I ain't going in now. (laughs) I'm like, are we comfortable? Does anybody need water to do potty break? (laughs) Shit. Bye, break. Um, Play should be. I think, yeah, I think that play can heal disease. Like, I think if you raise the frequency of your body, of your cells to, uh, to that place where you were, and I think that's why there's so much disease in the world because it's hard as fuck and people work too much and don't play enough, right? Um, and it sounds real simple and basic and stripped down, but like, that's, there's something, I feel physically different after a weekend of playing around with cardboard. I feel happier, healthier, more capable to face tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like more prepared for the next six months of life than I did last week where I was like feeling all heartbroken and in my feelings and mm. like the world is crashing and everything is dead. And I wasn't, I was like, I have to pack and move and that's traumatic and all this stuff. But like after exploration and play and creativity, I feel more capable to, I feel more able to think about what I need to do over the, like in the next year. Like, I feel like I can plan my life now because I feel like there's life in my body physically, you know, so. Mm. Um, yeah. I think if people played more to be as cancer. But I think, you know, there are some communities that will fuck with that. Like, I'm trying to get down with some, like, acro yoga. You, like, do some flippy, tossy shit. Like, you know, like, just balancing on people's <laughs> feet and shit. Can't see the gestures because it's voice recording, but. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got, they call it the terms. It's just yoga practice, meditation practice. We, where can we get more play practice? Get the creative, as, we, as especially when we're pursuing social justice themed art, you know. Oh my God! Yeah. What's missing from the methodology? How much play should we inject as a practice? Not. Oh yeah. I know, like <laughs> less icebreakers and more like. Yeah. Twister, like you know, or maybe Twister is an icebreaker, or like less like I'm gonna throw a string across the room and feel we're connected. <laughs> whatever but like and more like and i don't want to shit on anybody who actually uses that place but probably will later but more like, like yo at, let's at like let's food. try this number game real quick like you know what you know about you know let's play a space game or some shit let's act a fool let's just act a fool let's run around play tag let's play tag for no reason for no reason still the bacon let's play mm-hmm. outside you know 
memes are taking over play too, because now it's like, this is how we make each other laugh. Oh God. You know? <laughs> I'm part of it. I'm a part of the meme culture. I'm not meme shaming. <laughs> not meme shaming. I mean, well, what does that do? For, what does a digital, what does, what does digital play really do for our bodies? Because you were talking about right, the physical, the physical. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's bad for your body. How actually. you feel, you know? Like, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad to be on on that shit so long. It's it's just, it's bad. It's false connectivity. Because you, you really, while you're playing there, you're not looking up or looking at someone in the eye. So you could be making the dopest meme and funniest meme of all standing on the corner of West Broadway and whatever and Bushwick mm -hmm. and whatever. And, or you could be out in public playing somehow physically looking at someone else in the eye and they are like, shit, I want to do that. And whether they do or not, they had that moment mm -hmm. where they had a choice, whether they wanted to play that. Maybe they make that choice a week from now when they don't even, when they see a different stranger but that physicality to play, you know, maybe we're missing that more frequent. Yeah. You know, spontaneity. Yeah, man. What would it be like to just be doing the goofiest physical shit, even if you can't name it right out there right? in the corner? Like, you know? like, what if there was just giant Legos on the street you could fuck with and like really make little castles you could hang out in? You got me thinking about public art in a different way. I have a over heightened sense of like obligation to respect people and like not want to make people feel bad. It's like my Pisces cancer rising shit, whatever. What do you need? How do you feel? How can I make you feel better? Right? So definitely bleeds into my facilitation speech earlier. But, <laughs> but so I'm astrologically disinclined to just do what is asked if it, if it means I won't offend you. Mm. Um, but to an extent, to an extent. I never say bless you when people sneeze. Like, fuck your sneeze. <laughs> yeah, I don't go that far, but. Fuck your sneeze. I, just, I always, sometimes I feel pressure and like one out of, two out of 10 times maybe I might say it. Right. And I'm still like. The obligatory bless you. Nah, man, you do, like of all things, blessings shouldn't be obligatory. You know what I'm saying? Like obligational blessings. That's not even real. That's not even like I'm, if I'm gonna get a blessing from somebody, like mm -hmm. you know what I mean. That shit from here, I like I don't feel right giving, like yeah. And then I also don't feel right saying thank you when someone says bless me when I sneeze. <laughs> I'm just weird, but like okay, I, I, I like pause and okay. I'm like, thank you. In that vein, yeah, I can't stand. <laughs> yes, this is great. <laughs> I hate sing-alongs. I hate when you're like, in, especially in movement spaces, and they're like, make you sing with them. 
And I'm like, I don't want to send, like, they'll start being like, we're going to hold hands now and then we're going to sing this spiritual and not dissing anybody's spirituals. I shouldn't have said it like that. That was rude. But when we're going to sing this song or this, like, hippie song or this, like, whatever, like, and I'm just like, I'm not in the mood for that right now. Like, but a your astrological obligation. No. Okay. So this is how, this is how I have learned to navigate that. Okay. The minute that shit's about to pop off, yeah. I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> and then your I just listen. Trick. I wait. Your I wait. Trick. I'm a bathroom trick. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't so, do that yeah, when we people, go to dinner, all right? Let's, just wait. When that, when that check comes, just don't do that. Nah, don't do man, it's only if you ask me to sing some shit and sing it with a bunch of people that I don't know. Like, or a you want to that you ain't feeling? Exactly. Like, what is, like, I don't know, if you spontaneously broke out into some key sweat and I might, you know what I mean? Like, be in that heartachy mood. Like, I might sing some Mary J. Blige with you or some, like... You know, like, you bust out and I'll be with it. But I'm just, I feel, okay, this is bottom line when it comes down to, I think it's manipulative. <laughs> I don't like having my emotions dictated mm. by anybody else. And I feel like it's, I might not want to be thinking of that or feeling that. And I understand that that's why people design those moments too, because it's supposed to connect you to your heart chakra and like open your shit up and like make you connect mm -hmm. but i'm like i'm already over connected mm. i'm already heart open all over the place all the time feeling everybody's shit all the time like i shut that shit off intentionally to get through groceries you know like mm. on just you know there's a lot of language around empath shit and and i i, I fucks with it even though it's overused but it's exhausting, like have, being an emotionally open, intuitively open person, uh, uh, sensitive being in this world is fucking hard work. And any time somebody wants me to go the extra, extra mile with a song, I'm like, pump your brakes, I'm good. Like, you, good. If that, if I get that there's a lot of people in the room that need to open up their hearts. I need to close it so I can breathe for a second mm -hmm. how does that play out then in other you know movement spaces with me yeah you were just saying like y y being open to and like uh overconnected to everything you know and in this moment with the saying you're like that is that's the line but like how do you <laughs> that's it i'll um, do all this shit whole space for you but i'm not singing your song i got yeah, friends so, i got well, friends what, what, that are like how do you balance all about like, the don't songs don't you subscribe to like because there's things that like <laughs> i like i don't subscribe to when in spaces of facilitators or colleague or whatever is saying you must bring your whole self to this space Ooh. And, and, and i believe I've never heard anybody actually verbally push back on that one. I, well, I That's dope that you just did that. I, I, I disagree. Oh. I disagree adamantly that we don't aren't required at least when you're setting these guidelines or expectations in any space, organizing spaces in particular. Mm. I disagree that we should bring our whole selves to any space. Should should what the word? fuck is should word? I do think that we should bring our true selves to every space, but that's a there's a that's different than your whole self. And is it? 
I think so. Like your whole self is. We're here to talk about. Give me a subject in any social justice. We're here to talk about uh, immigration and mm-hmm. these walls. Bring your whole self. I just came from my fucking probation office, and this is what I got going on. You want my whole self? I'm going to tell you what the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. that's not what this space is actually, this conversation or segment of the agenda is about. Mm -hmm. And if you want my whole self, what's, again, like your point earlier, like, who knows what's going to spill out, and then we have to somehow pack it back back on so we can get to the next agenda item. And to me, that's like, you're requiring people to bring their whole selves are we going to be as productive as we could be to like moving the needle on an issue we want to tackle because of the urgency of a, a policy or a speech that the president just gave or, but we can bring our true selves so that we can like digest people's truths collectively and then also respond from a place of if I'm in my, this space as my true self, I'm listening in a compassionate way, hopefully. Uh-huh. So I mean like, what are some things that you don't subscribe to in any world has a religion to it, right? Call out culture. Mm. All right, tell tell me why mm-hmm. you don't subscribe to that. Uh, yeah. Um, I think. Tell us. Tell the world. There's. I think for the same. Hmm. It's it's tricky. It's hard to navigate this one. By call out by call out culture is to say like not. Not saying that shit don't need to get called out sometimes, but they don't. Things don't need to get called out all the time, all the time. You know, like I think people lost the ability to discern that shit. Like, when is it appropriate to do so? Because the um. And of course, not for everyone, but for a lot of folks I've seen do that shit. There's like uh, people just got like a, a f- like free hallway pass for the year. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this shit isn't. It's part of the culture now to call shit out all the time, put people on blast. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think sometimes it's more about destroying people's social capital mm. and mm-hmm. taking people, taking figures down that you feel are too inflated, or uh, proving that somebody is in fact human and fallible, which bravo, you did that thing that we all, we all are that and imperfect yeah. and fucked up. So like, um, what did what did we win here? Do you feel better? Like some sometimes that shit is necessary. There's a toxic member of the community that needs to get put on blast. The community needs, needs to get warned. Some you know people have been harmed. There have been numerous attempts for like restorative justice to occur. That person is evading it. Like boop, 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 boop. There are situations where you need to act in the best interest of the safety of your community. So whether that's a community of women, of, of trans folks, of LGBT folks, of like black folks, brown folks, immigrant folks, all the folks like who are vulnerable in the face of like just real harmful shit. So like, yeah, yeah sometimes you have to do that shit and you have to do it unapologetically. But a lot of times people are just using that, the, the language of that as a pass to be fucking petty and to like just knock people down a notch. Oh, you, oh, you thought you, you had it going on. Oh, you thought you knew all the things. Well, let me show you how you're wrong. Let me show you how you're, how you've wronged, you know? And like, when have, 
any of us not mm-hmm. been in that position? Yeah. And like, and does that always need to be, I don't know, like centered? And I think it's sometimes it's just a grab for attention. And I'm, I find it annoying. Seeking validation. Like from the, the rest of the group, yeah, yeah, attention, like yeah. attention. It's like um, social, it's also social like media brand while building. you're calling somebody out on some shit means to say that you are the expert on how that shit should actually go, and so you then in fact know better than anybody on that subject, and you're infallible, and so you could like point your finger outward while you're pointing three at yourself, but you don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So. But it's it's a way for people to I think some people on, a, on the lower vibration of that, of that of that activity is a way for some folks to like mm. uh, position themselves as, as like it's kind of like a better than thou. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's like toxic. I think that's a toxic ass like human behavior. I feel like there was something else too. We, well, the question was that what I don't subscribe to. And when I and when I asked that, I asked it to be thinking of when you're not subscribing, you're being either judged or criticized or quote unquote called out. Oh. For not subscribing, and oh. then being positioned in a place of well, if you're not subscribing, then you ain't as woke. And okay. You, and you ain't gonna. We don't really want you as part this of this. Is going, this might. This community. might. This might lose me some social capital if I say this shit out loud. You want this? <laughs> Do you want this? Do you want it? It's inside of you. Inside yeah. Me, but you want it. You asking for it? Um, okay. The shit that I don't subscribe to that would probably get me side eye in some spaces mm. is that. This is tough. Um, Cis men are the enemy. (laughs) Like, or like that most cis men are inherently toxic. I've, I've met a lot. I have met, I've, uh, I have met inherently like many, of course we live in this society, right? Mm -hmm. We're not dumb, deaf or blind. So I know what's out there. I've experienced the worst of all the fucking things you can think of, right? All of them. So, but I also refuse to let that blind me from the beautiful and sacred masculine energies around me. Mm. And that that exists in the world too. And that I need that in the world. And that it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't need to get cut down in every fucking space all the time. Um, And when I like, you know, I think having an open heart is not a selective thing. You know, I feel everybody's shit in the room. And so I feel Mm. when um, people have to sit there and like hear that shit and like also feel invisibilized and also feel like shitted on for shit that they're not actually bringing into the room. I feel that too. and I've, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have a community of adopted brothers. Like my, I have two biological older brothers that ain't never called me once in my life to be like, yo, you need something, sis? Like, what can mm-hmm. I, you know? The contrary, they've been the most toxic human beings ever, right? Um, 
So I learned what toxic masculinity was at a very young age. Yeah. You know, I was abused by that shit. It was fucked up. But I've also had, like I've, I, I forged a community of like dope ass, dope, like brothers who I call brothers who are more my brother than my, my biological brothers mm -hmm. who would like do anything for me, you know? Or like, you know, yo, sis, you need anything? How you doing? How's your heart? How, everything good? Like, heard you sad. Um, and I, who I've been witness to being um, beautiful, divine representations of sacred masculine energy. So mm -hmm. I think I just, I think um, while we're crafting language to liberate all identities um, and I understand how toxic you know, the dominant norms are to a lot of those identities and how harmful they are. I do feel like we need to, I don't think that we need to cut anyone down so that we can build anyone up. When is it? When is your work most fun? Um, usually, just like when um, when is it most fun? When is it? When it's flowing, and um, you know, I work with. I work with young, young people, young artists, young gurus, I like to call them, and my master teachers. Mm -hmm. And my work is most fun when I get to learn from them. Like, it sounds so rehearsed, but it's not. Mm. It's like, uh, when we, no, but when we bugging out, like when we just bugging out, like playing some outcasts, going in on the wall, eating some popsicles or some shit, or just shooting the shit, or just like, spontaneous dance party at the wall or like some shit, you know? Like, usually it's not, I don't know, about the work, but about the, the laughter around it. Yeah. That you get to like, just the play, when you get, when you can play around, goof around. Yeah. Um, laughing, anytime I'm laughing or listening to music or dancing, um, it's great. How do you, how do you balance cynicism and hope? <laughs> I was reflecting on that shit on that couch when you're sitting before I left here and I was like really on the other the far side of cynicism I was like I, I have these nasty nasty downward spiraling like nihilistic swampy mm. I'm not gonna stop doing your good work but I don't believe it's gonna work. Mm -hmm. Shit, and I live there mostly, actually. 
And I don't think, I think the only balance that I ever found is to just do your work anyway. Whether you, whether you are entertaining hope or not, I don't think. I think the balance that I found was letting go of hope. Like, it's dark. <laughs> it's dark as fuck. Uh, it's like, because hope is like a, it's like a return that you're expecting, right? For the work that you're doing or like this, I'm doing this so that I'm hoping that the world will be better later and that's gonna be my return. So learning to do the work without the expectation of the return, but letting the work be the return has been liberating as fuck and in a way that I won't say always takes me out of that depression, but it also doesn't give me permission to stop. So I do it anyway. I don't believe that the fucking banners are gonna stop the drilling. I don't believe that the silkscreen is gonna stop police from killing us. I don't believe that we stand a chance against the, a weaponized military industrial complex as far as we're resourced to defend ourselves, no matter what the fuck we do here or what we grow here, or what gardens we build or like what farms we get. Like, them motherfuckers take whatever the fuck they want at any time. They're doing that shit overseas, they'll do it over here. Like, so, do I hope, what do I hope for at the end of the day that can't be taken? What can I create that can't be taken from me later anyway? I just have to relinquish that expectation entirely and do the work for the benefit of my soul doing the work anyway, mm. in spite of it. Mm -hmm. So, that's all I got. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> What are you tired of hearing? You can interpret that any way you want. Hmm. I think about that. You're tired of hearing. Hmm. It's so interesting. Like you start getting flooded with mm. all these voices. Like, I feel like I'm flooded with so many voices right now. Um, I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing the same uh, shit. Stop killing us. I'm tired of hearing. The need for people to have to articulate basic ass shit. Water is life. I don't want to hear, have to hear that shit anymore because I want to live in a world where everybody knows that basic ass shit and nobody has to cry out for it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear Black Lives Matter anymore because I want it, Black Lives to just fucking matter. And like, I want to hear, I don't want it, I'm tired of hearing the collective, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the collective grief 
of my people mm. struggling for basic shit. I'm tired of hearing how many people died in Puerto Rico. I'm tired of hearing how many people are still dying and are gonna die because they still don't have the shit they need. Um, uh, and all of our people everywhere across this fucking country and in all the countries that this fucking country is just destroying. Like, I'm tired of hearing where, you know, phrases like fucking prison industrial complex and like prison, military industrial complex and prison industrial complex and all the fucking complex complexes and everybody's complex as a result of all those complexes and it's all so complicated and I'm tired of shit being so fucking, I don't know, I'm just tired of hearing a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. um, mm. There's, <laughs> there's not enough money. Mm. Or I'm tired of hearing, you know, I don't know, bullshit. I'm tired of hearing bullshit reasons why we can't, like, people can't work together when they're doing the same shit and they all, they're the mm. same ass shit they're trying to do, but you're doing it in a different way, so you're just beefing for no reason. Like, bullshit excuses why we can't come together, like, for real and make a dent for real, for real. And I don't know, maybe that's happening right now. It's happening right now. But also, I'm still recovering from the moments where I've heard a lot of excuses. Well, why? I don't wanna fuck with this person because I don't agree with their politics on this thing or that thing or they fucking with this person I don't fuck with. <laughs> and they fucking with them so they align with their politics I don't fuck with them. Not that I don't fuck with them, it's that I don't fuck with who they fuck with. And I, I'm like, <laughs> did you see who that? I'm like, yo, really? Tired. It's tired. That shit is tired. Um, <laughs> like, and as an artist, I feel like as an artist, you end up moving through mm -hmm. spaces. Like I maneuvered through all these spaces where I'm cool with so many people that are not cool with each other. And I had to hear shit from all sides because everybody's cool with me. Everybody wants me down. I'm like, yo, come do this thing, do that thing. And so I, I always, I always end up like, like everybody feels comfortable talking shit about everybody I fuck with. And, it, and I'm just like, y'all know y'all talking you're saying the exact same thing. You, mm -hmm. you have the same goals. You know, like, um, did y'all say this to each other? Have y'all had a conversation about this? No. Why? Why can't, I'm tired of hearing, this is it. I'm fucking tired of hearing that motherfuckers didn't make time for a conversation. <laughs> but they got all this beef. Did you talk to them yet? No. <laughs> Did you have, did you tell the, you telling me why you don't fuck with them, you beefing? Like, you ever tell them that? You ever think that if you told them that, they might not maybe shift a little or grow some from that critique? Like maybe they need it? Like maybe you need it too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like what's, what's so scary about these conversations that why are they so difficult to have? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have the skills to like have them more courageously? Mm -hmm. Why is my phone trying to record everything that I'm saying right now? Uh, so what arts what, what art are you currently taking in that is recharging you and giving you a ton of energy? 
puppets. <laughs> I'm trying to get my Jim Henson freak on. I'm trying to be Fozzie in this bitch. I'm trying to be Gonzo. I'm trying to be Dark Crystal. Oh, hell yeah. You know? I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to combine the Skeksis with their other half and then yeah. be whole beings again. I'm trying to be a happy girl flame. <laughs> girl flame. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. We can, What's your favorite Muppets <laughs> film? Muppets? Or Jim Henson film? Okay, my favorite Jim Henson film? Labyrinth. David Bowie. Uh, dance. Magic baby dance. <laughs> <laughs> jump, magic jump, magic jump, magic jump. Slap that baby, make it free. <laughs> you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power. Voodoo, hoodoo, you do who? Remind me of the babe. Yeah, take us out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my shit. I, I, yeah, I'm so sad. They made like one season of Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Where it was like a, it was like a, was there somebody coming in? Hello? Oh, the house sound? House sound. The old house That's sound. That's weird. Thought I heard somebody not. Um, they made like one season of this like competition show where all these puppeteers, artists got together. Oh, what? Yeah, it was fucking amazing. You should watch it right now. Yes. <laughs> like at least an episode. It's amazing. So they get yes. the challenge and they make a creature. One challenge is they actually had to make a Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. Oh, shit. They had to design their own fucking Skeksis from different, like, uh, different uh, environments. It's actually the first thing I ever wanted to do as an artist was be, like, one of the people who makes those worlds come to life and shit. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have anybody around me in my life, in my world, that knew anything about that. It was not, a, it was not anything I could access. There was no encouragement around it, and I just... I just kept drawing. I mean, I just kept mm -hmm. drawing and painting. Hmm. Um, but now, like, I'm fucking 35, and I'm like, can I actually start making puppets? And I'm like, hell yeah, bitch. You can do whatever you want. Live this life. I mean, they might blow it up any day, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Might figure out a mechanism before you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, but yeah, so, the, so there's this dope-ass competition. The winner got, like, a, a, a job in the studio, in the Jim Henson studio, and, like, some money, a bunch of money. But they only did one fucking season of that shit. And I'm like, why do we get like 4,500 seasons of Real Housewives of whatever? Or like Love and Hip Hop or some bullshit. It's like, I got one season. Six Air Buds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like one season of Jim Henson was, like was the most over. creative shit ever. You could like see their sketches and what materials they use and making all this shit. Yeah. So dope. So I don't know. I mm. like, I'm obsessed with like pinning stuff on Pinterest right now. Like, to make this thing mm -hmm. well if anyone out there wants more dope should probably follow crystal where on instagram oh ms clarity 83 ms clarity c-l-a-r-i-t-y 83 that's right well thank you thank you thank you crystal Michelle, clarity. thanks for visiting it's so it's nice to honor. have you we're in brooklyn brooklyn we're back no off ramps or detours and uh <laughs> our first our first night back in New York and sitting here in Brooklyn with Crystal is uh, more than we could have ever imagined. <laughs> and that's, we'll just leave that there. 
on the record. But you're, you're, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're great. So thank you so you much. Thank you for coming. This was so unexpected. Lord. <laughs> I thought I was just coming home to pack my fucking life. Crystal, thank you so much. Uh, There's not really uh, words to describe how much we appreciate your soul and your conversations and your words were greatly appreciated here in this episode. Uh, hope y'all enjoy it out there. Um, you know, let's keep fighting that fight together, everybody. The world is dark, but we know how to tap into the bright lights within ourselves to come together and uh, really make a push for change in this world. Um, so hope you keep listening. Hope you're sharing on social media. Get on our Facebook page, Weapon of Choice Podcast, and click share, especially when these episodes drop. It really helps. It really helps some visibility for Weapon of Choice, and we want to keep growing, and we want to grow with you, so you can always reach out to us and let us know what we always want to know, what art is currently giving you hope to keep fighting, uh, what art are you taking in that is giving you that energy to get up, to wake up even every day, stay motivated to make art if you're you yourself are an artist or to make whatever it is you make or create whatever it is you want to create or um, grow whatever it is you want to grow. What music are you listening to? What should we know about? You can email us at weaponofchoicefans at gmail.com. But feel free to, you know, send us a message on Facebook, DM us on Instagram. You know, we love to engage. We love to talk to you. And um, we'll be back with a couple more episodes to wind down the season. Next episode took, took us to Rome, Italy to talk to Silvio. And uh, we will um, air that. And the season finale will be with Safia El Hilo. Wow. Stay tuned for that. And uh, we will see you soon. This has been another special menu production. And as always, our theme music is by the wonderful, the talented, the inspirational, intelligent, all things, supreme being, Renee Copeland. (laughs) That one's for you. Uh, That one's for you, uh, Bob and Emily. (laughs) Um, We'll see you soon. I'll take care.